0: please visit our website at reformedholytrinity.org. As you are being seated, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. So in all of my life, I have never preached through the book of Hebrews. I have preached out of Hebrews 10 Quite a few times. So, that's where we are this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to be looking at a very important topic, but let's begin reading in verse number 19. And we'll read down through the end of the chapter. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, And fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment, do you suppose, will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall or remember the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, You may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true. We are continuing... To look at some things, we need to know for 2023 as we prepare to enter 2024. And today we are living in a time where the faith that is pro- professed is highly suspect. So I was with, uh, and this has been a few years back, um, but so I was around some young people and they was using this word, I, I had no idea what they were talking about, but it was Sus. You know, because uh, in, in my day, we used other words. And they are now so politically incorrect that people have to find a way to communicate the same things without communicating them. And so what I found out it meant is that um, if they thought a, a, a guy was just a little bit too effeminate, that he was suspect. Okay? Okay? Um, suspect that he was gay, or whatever the word you're supposed to use is now. And so, today, as we look around the faith of the church and the faith in our society, and even throughout the church, we have to say that it is suspect. Uh, It's a real question. It's a legitimate question about whether or not we have real true faith today in most cases. And we're talking about a saving faith, which is different than just faith. We're not talking about just mere assent to believing something. But we're talking about a faith that actually saves. A faith that actually does something. We've been convinced that faith is not an active word, but an inactive word. Well... Throughout Christian history, it has always been defined as a saving faith, a faith that actually does something. It actually accomplishes that which he has purposed it to do, just as it is when he sends forth his word in all cases. But it is active. It does something. It actually causes us to will and do after God's good pleasure. And so today we are living in a time where the faith that is professed is highly suspect, and that is actually a scary thing to think about. It's something that should cause fear in each and every one of us. And it should be an issue of importance to us. First, because we don't even realize that it should be a scary thing. That's a big problem. We are told that we are to be examining our faith. As a matter of fact, every time we come to the table, there's supposed to be self-examination before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so, we don't even realize that this is a scary thing, and um, especially in the day and age in which we are living. And the reason why we don't realize the significance of this issue of faith and the concept of Christians that we are to live by faith the reason why we don't see the significance is because we have been greatly influenced and deceived by what has came to be called easy believism and it doesn't matter whether it is the legalist sort or the libertarian sort if you know what I'm talking about the legalist sort is where they add all their own preferences and man-made rules and all that kind of stuff to follow and then there's the libertarian sort that uh 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 uh, uh disavows god's standards that we are to follow so whether it's the libertarian or the legalist side easy believism is the dominant concept throughout our culture and it has had a huge impact upon us now the common component of the modern gospel is simply assent it is just basically to to um Uh, give some kind of an acknowledgment that something is true or may be true. And at best, it is praying a prayer. And since assent is easy, and since saying a one-time prayer is easy, hence the term easy believism. Now this modern gospel is missing... Many different things. First of all, it's missing all the different doctrines, uh, starting with the sovereignty of God and the sinfulness of man and the atonement. It's missing adoption. It's missing justification. It's missing sanctification. It's, It's missing repentance. It's missing conviction, confession, amendment of life. It's missing all these things. It's missing a faith that is effectual, a faith that works, a faith that is real, a faith that is true, a faith that acts, a faith that works to conform us into the image of Christ by sanctifying those whom he has justified. Second, we don't realize the seriousness of this issue because, quite frankly, in our day and time, We do not have a fear for God. We really do not believe that we are going to be held accountable by God. We believe that he's going to grade on a curve, and he's just going to look past our sins, our shortcomings, our failures, our mistakes. He's just going to look past it. That he's not going to actually deal with it. And the reason why we want a God that won't deal with it is because we don't want to deal with it. Paul, writing to the Philippian church, upholds the sovereignty of God with us working out our salvation in fear and trembling. The two go together. Notice Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Isn't that interesting? We have the sovereignty of God over all things in this statement. And in that idea of God's sovereignty is Paul's command for them to work out their own salvation in fear and trembling. In our text, we are told to have confidence, just as Paul told the Philippians, it is God who works in you both to will and to do after his good pleasure. And in Hebrews, the author tells us to have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ. And yet it is in this confidence found in this confidence, I should say, is a command, just as Paul told the Philippians to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, because God is sovereign not only over our justification, but also our sanctification. And what do I mean by justification and sanctification? Well, justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all of our sins And he accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more progressively to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. In our text here in Hebrews chapter 10, we are told, in the confidence of Jesus Christ as our high priest, who absolves us of our sins, grants unto us the remission, the forgiveness of our sins, that we should have confidence in him, and because of that confidence we have in Christ, Therefore, we are to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as, the manner, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So that confidence in the power of Christ is to cause us to do something. That confidence in the sovereignty of God is to cause us to work out our own salvation in fear and tribulation. And the reason why the writer of Hebrews tells us that this confidence in Christ should produce something, the reason why we are told and exhorted to do something is because, if we don't, the judgment of God. In verses 26 through 31, If we sin willfully after we have the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation. And then he ends that conversation by saying, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You see, we lack that fear today, which is the reason why we grab on to the easy believism. It's the reason why we will assent, but our faith is a faith that's not effectual. It doesn't do anything. And we are told that as Christians, those who have that confidence in Jesus Christ, we are told that those who have been justified by the blood of Christ are to live by faith. The very next chapter, after Hebrews chapter 10, we call the chapter of faith, or the hall of faith, right? And it goes into this big discussion about what faith is and what faith did. By faith, Moses. By faith, Abraham. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. They did this and they did that. The just shall live by it. So... There are some things we need to consider here this morning that are very important for 2023. And as we move towards 2024, and the first thing we need to understand is that what the scripture says here is absolutely true. And that is that the justified, those who have been justified by Christ, live by faith. That's the reason why he started off the chapter about this confidence in Jesus Christ and confidence in his blood. Confidence in him as a high priest. And then, from there, it is to do these things. It's because the justified live by faith. We need to understand that living faith is connected to justification. In Galatians 3 and verse 11, Paul writes, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. You are not justified... By keeping the law of God because you broke the law of God. So you can't be justified by something you don't have. You do not have those works. You are a sinner. You're a transgressor. So how can you be saved by the law when you're a transgressor of the law? It's evident, he says. And then he says, the just shall live by faith. Notice the connection there between justification and living by faith. And then secondly, living by faith is connected to the gospel. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, living by faith is connected to justification, is connected to the gospel, and the reason is because the justified are alive. We were born dead in trespasses and sins in Adam. Spiritually dead. No life in us. We were not born with a love for righteousness. We were not born with a love for God we went astray from our youth. As a matter of fact, before you were able to even speak the English language or the Spanish language, before you was even able to speak, you had already lied. Anyone that's ever had babies knows that they come to a certain point to where they lie they really don't have a need but they're crying and fussing they've been fed their diaper's been changed and on and on and on we could go it's not too much longer than when they start to speak And you will ask them directly, even though you know, without any doubt, that they were the one who did it. And they'll say, no. As a matter of fact, how many of your kids learned the word yes first? How many of them learned the word no first? (laughs) You see, the justified, though, are alive. We have, when we are born again into the family of God, when faith has been granted to us, and that first breath of spiritual life comes into existence, we become alive spiritually. Because faith is a gift of God, it is faith that causes you to believe to the saving of your soul. And this is what we call saving faith. This saving faith, because it is the faith of Jesus given to us by God, and it causes us to live in Christ. But when we are in Christ, we are alive, we're not dead. And therefore, this faith causes us to be conformed to Christ. Therefore, faith grants true confession. Faith grants true repentance. It yields us to become obedient and submitted to Christ. Faith is the instrument of justification, for we are justified by faith alone, but faith also is the cause of good works. It is not by the works of the law that we are justified, but it is by the faith of Jesus Christ that we are justified unto good works. And what is good? That which is of God. In other words, according to his standard, according to his law, we are made just in Christ and yet that is the point. The justified shall live by the faith of Christ and in the faith of Christ that has been granted to us by God. Think of what is stated by Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor executioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, not only were you forgiven, but you are cleaned up and set apart to be holy unto the Lord because you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. In Ephesians 2, we have pointed this out, but it bears repeating over and over and over again because we always like to focus on verses 1 through 9. And they are very important. And they are amazing. And it reveals unto us the riches of God's grace and His great love that He had for us. But that love is so great that not only... Are we saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves? It is a gift of God even without having any works because no man is going to be able to boast before the Lord. But because he loves us so much and because his his grace is so rich, verse 10 also exists which says, For we are his workmanship, created made new made alive in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them in other words the justified are alive in christ unto christ we are now spiritual we live in faith and works we live in the faith and works of jesus A lot of us just want to live in the faith of Jesus. But we are called to live in the faith and works of Jesus. Just as God created Adam to work, so too, through Christ, God recreates man to work. When you were made a new creature in Christ, you were made, you were recreated, you were created in Christ unto good works. You were made to work the works of God. Consider 2 Corinthians 11:15. When he's talking about Satan being an angel of light, And then he says, so it's no great thing if the ministers of Satan also transform themselves into the ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Read Romans chapter 2. There's some very strong statements about works. You know, there are those who are going to receive eternal damnation because of their works. And those who are going to receive eternal life because of their works. See, the real question is, where did they get those works from, right? God's going, Jesus is going to take the nations, he's going to divide them. Those who have done good and those who have done evil. Isn't that the word of God? Isn't that in the word of God? Those who have done good, those who have done evil. Those who have done good to the everlasting kingdom, those who have done evil into eternal damnation. You say, yeah, we don't like that. It doesn't fit into what we want. Well, that's the reason why Paul says, God is sovereign. God is sovereign over your salvation. God is sovereign over your sanctification. It is God who causes you to will and to do after his good pleasure. Now, therefore, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. So, if it didn't matter, then why would Paul in dealing with the Jews and the Gentiles, say, listen, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working, faith working through love. Why would Paul say, as we quoted earlier, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, if it didn't matter, why'd he say it? Why would he be praying in, or whoever the author was, in Hebrews chapter 13, that the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete, or perfect, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Colossians 1.9 For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, Fully pleasing him. Being fruitful in every good work. Philippians one six, Paul writing to the Philippians. He says listen. I'm confident of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you. Will perform it or complete it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. And then a few verses later. Down in verse 13 he says. For it is God which worketh in you. Both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So God's purpose is that you will and do after his good pleasure. That's his purpose in the work that he has begun in us. That's what it's for. It's to make us new creatures. To make us conformed into the image of Christ. This is why he told the Corinthians that God is able to do it And what's he able to do? To make them abound in every good work. Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, not only is man lazy physically, man is lazy spiritually. We will do anything we can to get out of working. Especially in this day and age, right? That's the whole idea of everything, is not to work. And it's amazing the lengths we will go to get out of work. Today, one of the biggest problems that we have, we have two huge problems. And that is, well, <laughs> we, things start popping into my mind. It's like, oh yeah, this one needs to go there too. But the aspect of faithless. And laziness. Because laziness is really the characteristic that causes us not to have that toughness about us. But faithless, the lack of faith, and laziness. That's perseverance, right? Perseverance of the saints. That's the opposite of laziness. Secondly, we need to notice it is a living faith. See, living by faith is dying to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So living by faith is dying to the flesh. Therefore, living by faith is subsisting in Christ. And living by faith is persisting in Christ. Listen to what? Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And of course, that's where we want to stop with any real significance. Yeah, we've been crucified with Christ. And so therefore we have eternal life. Right? We want to go to heaven. We don't want to go to hell. But notice he says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what it means to be crucified with Christ. You see, living by faith is dying to the flesh, dying to our will, dying to our preferences, dying to our opinions dying to our ambitions, and it is living, it is becoming alive in Christ, to subsist in Christ, to persist in Christ. It is a way of life now, living by faith. So let's notice, uh, thirdly, the dichotomy. So we have a dichotomy here, which is a division or a contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposed or entirely different. And here in our text, what we find is boldness and timidity. Or we could say boldness and cowardice. We have a drawing near or a drawing back. We have full assurance or lack of assurance. We have work of edification or abandonment of the saints. We have assembling yourself or being absent. We have reward or judgment. And we have advancement or retreat. Those are the two things that we find here in Hebrews chapter 10. Essentially, there is living by faith, or there is deadness in unbelief. It is pressing forward in faith to the saving of the soul, which is why the church, when the church makes any judgment upon an individual, what the church is saying is this. By what we see and hear, we believe your soul is in jeopardy. But you see, there is this living by faith, this pressing forward in faith to the saving of the soul. When you see certain things at work. Or, there is a retreating in faithlessness to perdition or eternal destruction in hell. So what does it mean to live by faith? I gave you in your bulletin uh, a little handout for you to take home and to review. But this is what it means to live by faith. And of course, we could add to this list and we could talk uh, about this list in much greater depth. But I just want to hit a few points here on what it means to live by faith. First of all, living by faith is trusting in God's promises. How do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm a child of God? Because God has promised that if we would turn to him, we'd humble ourselves, confess our sins in faith and amendment of life through Jesus Christ. That he would save us. It's a trusting in God's promises, not a trusting in my feelings for the day. If I was to go by my feelings, most times I do not feel saved, right? Because that actually should kind of be the feeling. Why would I, I mean, why would I, a filthy, rotten sinner, feel saved? Why would I feel saved? Just by my emotions. My emotions are fallen, my emotions are sinful. No. My assurance, first of all, in our text here, The boldness, the assurance to enter the holiest is by the blood of Jesus. Not by my feelings or my emotions. It is the promises of God. Trusting in God's promises. Not only in salvation, but in all aspects of life. God has promised certain things. And, my goodness, we sell God short so much, it is terrible. And the reason why we sell God short is because we don't have faith that we should, like we should. Our faith is weak and our faith is small. Or it may not exist at all. But trusting in God's promises... Living by faith starts with this fundamental problem, uh, trust in what God has said. And believing that it is true and relying upon Him alone is a complete dependence. That God upon God, it is a complete reliance upon God that He is faithful. That He is reliable. That He will keep His word. And then, secondly, notice it is assurance in the unseen. So, I mentioned this before, so this is repeating myself from a very uh, short, earlier date here. It's okay if you repeat yourself, as long as it's spread out long enough to where no one will remember it. Um, But when you repeat yourself constantly, that's when people start to think you're slipping, right? So, um, I stated this not too long ago that um, a preacher friend of my father's, when he would be asked how he was doing, he would say, well, God has been faithful all the way up to now. I don't know about tomorrow, but he's been faithful all the way to today. And that's the way it is with us, right? We can look back and we can see God's mighty hand and miraculous power, and then tomorrow we will forget about it. Well, faith, and what we want to shoot for, is this assurance in the unseen. It's easy to have faith looking backwards. That's like a Monday morning quarterback. Well, what the coach should have done, whoever the Colts coach is now, but what he should have done in the fourth quarter at the two-minute mark was whatever. You know, it's already over. Everybody knows that the decision he made was wrong now. It's a whole lot different to be able to know before. Right? Anybody can want Monday morning quarterback. That's easy. Anybody can have faith looking backwards. That's not faith. That's history. Faith is assurance in the unseen. Notice... Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. (laughs) Living by faith. This is confident assurance. Not in what God has done in the past, but what God will do in the future. And then, living by faith is is an obedient response. You see, because if you have faith and if you have trust in God, if you have confidence in him, then your response will be, okay, Lord, I will submit. I will follow you. I will do what you're asking me to do, even though I don't see how it's going to work out. But I have assurance in the unseen. I am trusting in the promises of your word. And this is what it says. I'm confident that it is true, and therefore, this is what I'm going to do. And then, living by faith means repentance and transformation. That's what faith leads us to, that's what faith develops in us, that's what faith establishes in us. To trust in Christ. And to turn away from our self-centeredness. To turn away from our sin. Then there's perseverance in trials. That even when things are going bad, we have faith to trust in God's promises. We have assurance of the unseen. And we have confidence that God is working in us to sanctify us. And therefore, we will persevere through it. And then notice reliance upon God's word, prayer and dependence, hope in Christ's return, the fruits of the spirit. How many of us actually actively work on these things? Well, do we want to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh? Well, the answer is, is that most of the time we want to walk in the flesh. We work on the other things, the works of the, the flesh, all the time. But what about the fruits of the Spirit? How come we never work on those things? And then, of course, our witness to the world. Because if we, if we were living by faith, it would be a powerful testimony to the world. If they could see our good works. If we would let our light shine, who is Jesus Christ before men. You see, we sell God short. We say we believe in the sovereignty of God and the providence of God. And then we create a weak God where no faith is required. And therefore, we do not have to live by faith. So as we conclude here this morning, living by faith is not a passive or superficial adherence to some rich religious ritual, or even just some religious affirmation. It is a profound and transformative way of life that is rooted in the teachings of Scripture. Living by faith encompasses every aspect of our life. For we are told that we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ. Everything. Therefore, if we are living by faith, it should be dynamic. It should be comprehensive. And it should be a deeply spiritual way of life that permeates every aspect of our existence. So may we as believers continue to grow in faith living out this profound truth as a testament to God's grace and love Father we pray that you would help our unbelief we pray that you would strengthen our faith and Lord we know that we cannot stand on our own so we flee to you here this morning and we pray that you would help us to take refuge in Christ and Lord we pray that we would not try to stand on our own but that we would stand in the faith of Christ and that we would stand in the works of Christ and Lord may you empower us and enable us. To live by faith in a world of faithlessness. In a world that has became completely skeptical. Lord, we pray that you would create a faith in us that could awaken the world. And we pray that for your glory. For the advancement of Christ's kingdom, in his name we pray. Amen.